You hear that? It's the the cool, crisp pop of a grape soda being opened into a conversation that's already 30 minutes long. This is the ad break for the Comics Collective. Welcome to the show where we may or may not talk about a comic. I may or may not die as to not inconvenience anyone. And we will definitely laugh about stupid stuff. (laughs) I am your co-host, DJ connoisseur of all things beautiful dallas taylor i'm alexis and i'm actually wearing pants <laughs> called out dallas is not wearing pants damn that makes one of us <laughs> i swear to god <laughs> right, thank you just don't look behind the scenes here just a sneak peek hi I, alexis did get a sneak peek that's the whole point <laughs> Jeez. maybe when everybody goes on break i should not be the one that sits here <laughs> Everybody needs to go on break. <sighs> it's going to be a weird one. You might just want to check out now, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, this week we're talking about Far Sector, one of the best books yeah. we've ever reviewed. But we okay. have a very weird energy coming into this episode. so A little wiggy. It's one of those days. It's a, it's a calm Sunday, and yeah, I'm feeling it. Exactly. All right. So, Far Sector. So good right (laughs) this is a green lantern story Mm -hmm. by nk jemison and jamal campbell that stars the lovely new green lantern joe maline sojourner maline as she becomes the sole green lantern the sheriff of faraway parts in the farthest sector from oa (gasps) there's the title the name far sector this book is at once a Beautiful sci-fi Green Lantern story, a fun police procedural, and a rumination <laughs> on the shit show that was 2020, honestly. It is astonishing to me, reading this story now, with some hindsight, that N.K. Jemison had already figured out so many of the lessons to be learned from the things that happened in 2020. Like releasing issues as things was, were happening... She mm-hmm. had a powerful message to share and a perspective that was important. And I think this book will be remembered for decades as one of the comics of our generation. Oh, I hope so. This is just, it's one of those works that like, when it was coming out, people were excited about it. But I feel like the more distance we get from this book and the more people actually get to read it in its collective form, the stronger it's like, Zeit, like, I don't want to say zeitgeist, that's the wrong word for it. Like, its cultural impact is going to be within the comics community. It's just a tale unlike any other, and there's a lot that... Because I got to sit in with the on the round table with N.K. Jemison, and we talked about this book. There's a lot that she wants to do with this world that she might come back to do eventually. <gasps> yeah, but she has a lot of things to do first, mm-hmm. but she says she would love to come back. And it's just... I want to see more of this world. This is one of the most fleshed out realms in all of DC comics that I've ever seen. And it's just beautiful. It's fantastic. It's high concept sci-fi at its best. It's a story that's distinctly new, which is something that's hard to say for a comic book. I honestly feel like new characters, new stories that have mattered in the last 10 years have been Kamala Khan, Miles Morales, Mm -hmm. And I would argue Far Sector 
is the DC equivalent that is just a completely new story that feels like it will have legs to mm-hmm. carry on into the future. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, N.K. Jemison is a certified genius. Oh, yeah. A mm-hmm. recipient of the MacArthur Genius Grant. The only human to ever win a three-peat Hugo Award three years <laughs> in a row got You Are the Best Writer three years <laughs> in a row. She is astonishing. Her work in prose is captivating, easy to mm-hmm. read. I would recommend it to anybody. And this is her first comic book. Mm-hmm. She's a huge fan of sci-fi, all things geek, and that's definitely worn on the sleeve in this book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, she definitely is. This was a book that she said it was for Gerard Way's Young Animal, and he actually approached her to write it. And when she started writing it, she said she had, like, next to no idea, like, who Green Lantern was or anything about the core. She had to do a lot of research going into this. That's probably why it's good. Such a great job. I was going to say that, but (laughs) I didn't want to. No, Lexi, go into it because I know you're not a big Green Lantern fan. I literally texted them. Well, because first of all, you all know that Anne called me out on Twitter last night or this morning and said, (laughs) I don't read until the day of. So I texted them last night and said, I better start reading our comic books for tomorrow at like Mm -hmm. six. And I said, I said, I'm going to start. And then the next text was, who the hell picked a Green Lantern? That was it. And I was like, who did this to me? I hate you. But when I think of Green Lanterns, I want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Why Why do you hate Green Lanterns, Alexis? Well, as someone who doesn't read comic books on her own time, um, my image of Green Lantern is Ryan Reynolds in Green Titans. Oh, no. So, bleh. I was going to say, I think there's some collective PTSD in our family about Green Lantern because... I loved playing as Green Lantern in the first Injustice game. Yeah, and he would murder all of us. I was the older sibling that wasn't like, hey, little sibling, let me show you the ropes of this video game. I was like, daddy's got some anger to take out. And the Green Lantern wouldn't even teach me how to play the games. He would just hand me the remote and say, here you go, pick a character. Oh, my favorite was Sinestro when you would like bind them with the yellow things and you just like fling stuff at them. Ah, beautiful. And then I got good with Raven and you never won again. (laughs) That Never. is also true. That is also true. Just gotta outzone them. But like, when knows how to play? <laughs> when did this book win you over, Alexis? When I realized that it was a new Green Lantern and a different story than what I was originally. I'm glad that she was not on Earth. I'm sick of Earth. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. We have we have <laughs> too many problems. Go solve other people's problems. I think that's a little bit of the genius of this. All the best sci-fi holds a mirror up to the world, you know. Yeah. And says. This is a creative way to talk about these problems so that you can reframe them without all of your emotions, which is a funny little tagline for this specific story. But the the city eternal is such a fun idea and such mm-hmm. a fun setting to meet Joe in. Alexis, do you want to talk a little bit about Joe? Yeah, so like do you want me to kind of give a little bit of like her background or what? Per se. Yeah, yeah, good. Like, yeah, this is her first appearance. This is the story that's introduced to her. So maybe do you want to talk about who she is and then maybe how you feel about her and then Anne as well? Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. Um, so we kind of get, I mean, of course, throughout the length of the whole run of what we read, we get a few different snippets of things of her life, her past, what brought her to be where she is now. Um, and I feel like it was really cool because we get, I can't remember quite which issue it was off the top of my head, but like we get a really good look into what brought her to the point of becoming a lantern, 
which I really liked because we see her throughout her whole life of having this constant struggle of like doing what's right for everybody else and not herself, which I feel like Dallas relates to on a spiritual level, not inconveniencing (laughs) anybody. Um, And so we see her like enlist in the military. She tries to go to college. She does all the, she, there's a few pages where it just is like, I, I feel like she said like, I've tried everything. I did everything that was put in front of me because I thought it was the right thing for me to do. And we see she kind of ends off with um, getting laid off from her police job because, um, well, they say it was over a controversial social media post, but it follows her turning in one of her her partner, right? Her police mm-hmm. partner for brutality. He lashed out on someone and frankly beat them to a pulp and she was horrified by it. And it's kind of something that follows her around in the story of, uh, I would say like one of her defining moments. And so she gets laid off from her job. She's just having a hard time. And um, she's approached by this lovely woman who I don't know her name. can't remember it, but she's fascinating. I remember seeing her and I was like, Ooh, Ooh, she's interesting. I don't know who you are, but you're interesting. And she kind of gives her like the spiel of like, this is what Green Lanterns are. This is who we are. Like, I can give you this ring for a year. And I think that's something that's cool and different too, right? Mm-hmm. Correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, let's see what you can do in 12 months. And here's this ring for you. And it's completely different. And I feel like I will need a little bit of backup on like the why and how it's different. But yeah, do you want my cool two cents? Do you want yes. my two cents? So the typical Green Lantern ring is something that runs off of willpower. And Joe's is unique because it, rather than just being to battle fear, is about having willpower to exist within fear, which is just a fascinating thing for Jemison to write about as an African-American woman in America. That's something that like she brings to all of her work, right, mm-hmm. is this this idea of writing her experience. And I think that's kind of what makes this book special is Joe isn't like Hal Jordan. Joe mm-hmm. isn't like John Stewart, who is another fellow black Green Lantern, but was created by white people. Mm-hmm. It's, she is someone that is created by a person just like her and brings in unique taste to the books. Yeah. And during that roundtable, that was one of the things we actually talked about is how the ring is different than other Green Lantern rings. And Jemison brings up that willpower is like an emotion. It doesn't feel like a solid emotion in itself because it enables other emotions. So the one thing she wanted to touch on was the fact that you need willpower to act in like love. You need willpower to act in anger. You need willpower to power all these other aspects of emotion. So that's what she was basing this ring off of she wanted a green lantern who actually has to play on those other emotions to use you know their power to activate that willpower and i thought that was really really unique and i also like the fact that the ring just from like a lore aspect has its own internal battery and doesn't get charged it just kind of charges over time i thought that was a really really interesting that was really cool to like limit her in a way but also to like make her a little bit more creative with how she uses it Oh, I created sure. such suspense. I was like, right? ah, what are you doing? Your ring is at 5%. Girlfriend, go home. <laughs> like, don't fly into battle right now. She's such a compelling character, and mm-hmm. especially her background as both someone that served in the military and someone that was a police officer 
we see a pattern where Joe wants to change the world. Mm -hmm. And so she has gone to the two avenues back home on earth that she saw as being able to impact real change. Um, and she decides that neither of those are very good approaches, mm -hmm. which is a great background for Green Lantern because so often they're written as like militarized police of space, yep. right? They're space cops. Mm -hmm. And Far Sector is decidedly not a space cop story because it doesn't work. It doesn't right. work to try and fix a system as a cop. Um, I truly cannot focus at all. Alexis just <laughs> fed her dog a lovely little hash brown. It was very oh. cute. Oh, we can... sitting here. You just can't see her. Her face is like right here all the time. She watches both of you through oh. the whole thing. Oh, we can... made her presence known last week. <laughs> we can cut that. We're fine. <laughs> that was beautiful. I, I really <laughs> she was she was making a move for it, so she made it oh. easy for Okay. <laughs> Back on topic. I think that's such a really interesting aspect to go with Joe and during the round table, we talked about that a little bit too. And Nora said like, this was something that was really important and very touchy for her to very important for her to touch on as, you know, a black woman, she needed to make sure that like <laughs> this was handled with care, but it also had that point where it's like, you want to do, you want to make the world a better place. Right. But there are systems that won't let you do that, even though that's supposedly what they're there for. And I think a lot of that has to do with stuff like switch off, which is what the people at the, um, this, what is it? The City Eternal? Why did City I just... Eternal. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'm like, that sounds right, but I'm not <laughs> sure. Because that kind of touches on that. It's like a system that's meant to protect people, but actually kind of puts people down. And even though everyone thinks it's okay for them, maybe it's really not. Just something I was just thinking about. But the fact that she goes from that to being another cop was really fascinating. And I think that's something I'd like to see touched on more. And there's a lot in here that Jemison herself says... She wishes she could touch on more. Telling a story month to month was definitely a very different experience for her. And from the couple of interviews I've had with people so far, I'm starting to figure out if you ever want to figure out what to critique in a work, just talk to the writer because no one tells on themselves faster than writers. <laughs> and I completely get that because they know exactly what they wish they could do better. And it's such a fascinating thing when they're like, this is what I wish I could have um, touched on a bit more cause until they say it. It's something that kind of just like passes by you because you're focused on all the good things. But the moment they talk about it, you're like, okay, I can see that. And there's there's aspects of Joe being here that I would like to see touched on more. But it's one of the really unique origin stories for any Green Lantern. And it's also one of the things that I'm sure Twitter would try to cancel her for because she went from being a soldier <laughs> to being a cop to being another cop. It is and that true. makes me sad. <laughs> well, it's just, it's a fascinating conversation about what it means to have and use power mm -hmm. like that seems to be the central theme of this book right yeah is how people use power to create the world that they want we have the council that's trying to use power to control everybody to maintain power for themselves we have the people who are riding in the streets trying to shift that power towards themselves, and we have joe our protagonist trying to understand how to influence power within a system Mm -hmm. to help the people having not learned how to do that on earth and that just seems like the best kind of story to tell with a green lantern right mm -hmm. oh yeah and it's one of those stories you don't get to tell often with the green lantern because i know lexi you don't have a lot of green lantern experience how much green lantern have you read dallas 
I've read the first third of He Who Must Not Be Named's run. Got it. I've read the first half of Grant Morrison's run before mm-hmm. the Black Star stuff. Fun. And then I fell off, and now I'm just going to get that in an omnibus someday and read it. Got it. <laughs> I, that's all. For a lot of this stuff, I would suggest going to the core books instead of, like, the solo Green Lantern books. Because they touch on, you know, places beyond Earth so much more. Like, the the main Green Lantern book always kind of hovers around Earth because, like, I'm from Earth, so I will hang out here. The core books almost never touch Earth, and I think that's the best thing about them. So if you're interested, Lexi, Perfect. exactly Perfect. there. But um, even in those books, we don't get to hang around places as much as we do here. Because we spend a full 12 issues on a place that isn't Earth, building it up to be this fantastic, well-thought-out, complex, beautiful world. And I think that plays into it so much because the setting becomes such an important character because you can't, you know, you can't tell the rest of the story without this character. You can't tell the rest of the story without this world. And I just thought, honestly, I think that's the coolest part about this whole book is just the world and the very, very unique characters in it. Like you have three separate races who are so different and so they they have such a vivid history that it's a. It's a lived-in world. That's the best way I can think to describe it. Because they mm-hmm. have all these unique relationships with each other. And it's so fascinating. I want, like, a history book of this world. I would read the <laughs> shit out of that. It's, <laughs> that would be awesome. This is, yeah, there's there's so much here. Dallas, go ahead, say something. <laughs> he was G- making a face. <laughs> Jemison just can't help but create worlds. Mm-hmm. The Any bit of her work that you touch... You're like, how did you come up with this? How did you create this world? Mm-hmm. I, I'm currently reading her collection of short stories, When is Black Future Month? Mm-hmm. Where she writes, in in the foreword, I loved it because I, I grabbed this book as I was reading Far Sector the first time. And she writes about how her favorite genre is science fiction. But it really was hard for her growing up because she said, not only were there no girls anywhere in science fiction but there were especially no black girls in science Mm -hmm. fiction and so she she's made it a point and very successfully so has made a point to put herself into the science fiction story and you can see in the that collection of short stories in 10 pages she creates worlds that are more compelling than half the crap the dusty old white men have written Mm -hmm. you know she brings so much to the table and i want so badly for everybody to read Far Sector and just fall in love with this kind of science fiction because there's more of it out there. Like, follow this author. I think one of the big things I've been ruminating on on Twitter lately has been there seems to be a lot of frustration when people follow characters in comic books Mm -hmm. because that is a process that will break your heart frankly, there will be bad runs on a character. There will be things that happen to your favorite character that make you sad and bitter towards comic books. But I have found if you find the people with the voices that you love the most, people like N.K. Jemison, their quality of work will always be pretty consistent and you'll find so much more joy that way. And so I hope that this book does that for people. I hope they read this and they go, wow, that was so special. Maybe I should go check out some of her other work because that's so special as well. And similarly, Jamal Campbell, the artwork in this book is beautiful. Ooh, I want to just Stunning. do a podcast on her outfits. <laughs> that was if um... I had me, that's what I would be making outfit. 
Um, so in the round table, they were discussing like how they came up with her designs. Mm-hmm. And Jamison basically said like the only cue she gave to um Campbell was just, this is a girl, this is a woman whose eyebrows are always on point. And they are, and everything he ran with, she said every time she got like a page back, she'd just like gasp because it's so fantastic. She is the best dressed Green Lantern. And Easily. Easily. It's like not saying much because second place is Guy Gardner. So like, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> so, it wasn't it wasn't a high it wasn't a high bar. I mean, if we're gonna cancel Green Lanterns, I don't think Joe's very high on the list. You know mm-hmm. Guy Gardner has something foul on his Twitter from 2010. <laughs> As someone who loves Guy Gardner more than life itself, yeah, he's oh. he's ha- he's been problematic in the past. I guarantee it. He's he's good now. I can fix him though. So just he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely like he would never. And then someone's like, look at what he said in 2008, and he'd be like, everybody was saying it in 2008, oh. and Twitter would be divided. Can I can I take a second? Just kind of, I've been thinking about a Green Lantern story for a while. That is a very good idea. Um, welcome back, Past Dallas. Uh, <laughs> we just cut. Anne's Anne has the best pitch idea. He has a brilliant Green Lantern story that I cut from this show because y'all don't get that for free. So DC Comics, we'll there. I, go to Patreon DC and Comics, read it there. I know. <laughs> No, don't go there. DC Comics, I know you listen to us every week, okay? You <laughs> keep your DC. finger on the pulse. Mr. Mister and Mrs. DC, um, they, them, DC, would you please pay my friend Anne to write this <laughs> wonderful, wonderful Green Lantern OGN? Her DMs are open just mm-hmm. for you. Only you. DMs Nobody are always open. Her. Nope, just them. <laughs> <laughs> Mar- Marvel comes creeping in my DMs. So what's that Green oh. Lantern idea? <laughs> Yeah. We can make a Green Lantern. <laughs> We're gonna adapt it into a Miss Marvel story. We would love for you to do a Spectre Spectrum story. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> okay, so back to Jamal Campbell. The yes. Genius that he is. What? How was it so good? Someone explain to me. <laughs> the glasses. How? Oh, I thought you glasses. were the art person. I'm too stupid to understand why this book is good. I'm just blown away by it. So first you don't read. Now you don't talk about the pictures. It's color it theory all... again, Dallas. It's color theory. I'm just here the for vibes. The greens and the purples those are on opposite sides. <laughs> it's true. I Something that I love about this that I totally am picking this up from a podcast I listen to, um, but the co-host of the oh balls talking comics podcast aaron Mm -hmm. amos pointed out he loves this book by the way uh so quick shout out and plug for their podcast it's great he said that one of the most significant things for him as a black man about far sector was that joe looked like a black woman Mm -hmm. like she it wasn't just a skin color switch onto a white woman like she had curves she had Mm -hmm. kinky hair um and I thought that was really cool. I thought, that oh yeah, mm-hmm. I, this book really does show that when you let people tell stories about people like them, magic happens. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this book would be as good if it was written by some rando white dude. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think the artwork would be as good if it was by some random Italian artist. As much as I love all the random Italian artists, 
I just, I think that this book is important for these two creators, and I really hope that they get a chance to come back together and to continue making this story together. I don't really want to see Joe in anyone else's hands. As much as I love her, like the thought of her just getting thrown into another book makes my heart sad. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. Well, just like, sorry, one detail I noticed about the way that she was designed. Did you guys notice like her little hair wrap that she would sleep in? Because uh -huh. that's a detail I don't feel like a lot of like writers or creators or artists will put into a comic. Like, I know it's like alluded that she's going to bed, but like as someone, like, I remember I had a really good friend in high school that, um, <laughs> She had a very similar hair type, and anytime that we'd have a sleepover, she would like have the most fancy, bougie silk scarf that she would wrap her hair in. And I just remember being like, I love you <laughs> every time that she would do it. And so when I saw that, I was like, Yes, that is correct. That is good. I like this. And, I'll, and it's just like exactly what you said. Like, she was created to be a black woman, not like what you said about, oh. She's just, you know, you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Not copy pasted. Yes. 100%. I loved it. I was like, oh, look at her. Look at her go. So switching over to the narrative a little bit, what did we think about the central conflict in the story with turning off emotions and just all of that voter suppression, riots, uh, <laughs> 2020 happening yeah. in a comic book? How did we feel about all that? Lexi, if you want to go first. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. Oh, it was just kind of crazy. I mean, I feel like with the whole, so basically like the emotions thing they're from my understanding, like they're taking something to suppress the emotions. Is that correct? Or the emotions suppressant is built into their DNA. So they don't okay. have to take anything. They have to take something to turn take emotions back on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I just find that so chilling especially because we see joe is the only one literally the only one on the planet that has her emotions with her at all times and it's helping her make her decisions and i feel like it creates such an interesting thought of how emotionally driven all of us are when like you don't notice it until it's not there I just feel like it was such a good point of contention for, especially a lot of people. I mean, that's the, one of the biggest things. That's what they're writing about mm -hmm. in the streets. And it's just is so interesting to have that as a thought at all. So I thought that was really cool to see. And it was very chilling, the parallels of mm -hmm. reality. <laughs> no, it's something really interesting that I just, I catch on to where it's like, the scene specifically, one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing, the riot scene where the their cops just start shooting on the protesters. You notice the people that order that are so not just emotionally distant because they're on switch off, but also physically distant. And I think that has a lot to do with like talking about the real world, just how if you're not there to see the violence, if you're not the person living the violence, it's easier to turn your emotions off to that because you're distant from it. You're it's it doesn't involve you. It's far away. You can justify it however you want because it doesn't involve you. And I think making that decision to have scenes like this in a book where emotions are literally being switched off and to make the point like, hey, if we put emotions back on, maybe we won't make silly decisions like this. Maybe if we have some empathy, maybe if we have some care, 
crazy, awful things like this won't happen as much. I think this is the perfect book for the environment we're in right now, specifically in America. This is a book that everyone should read and everyone could easily relate to and easily see those parallels in. And I think that's really incredible. I think two things building off each of your points. I think a criticism that would be very easily leveled at and often is leveled at someone like Joe, it's like, oh, you're being emotional. Oh, you're crazy. Like you're you're a crazy woman, right? Oh, that's yep. so emotional. Hysterical of you. You, woman. Hysterical woman. The word hysterical literally comes from the Greek word for uterus, hyster. Mm. <laughs> so like, there's there's this whole culture built up around like women with emotions are crazy, and so to make the whole point of this story that like the woman with the emotions is the only one that isn't crazy, in this world that's built to not reflect her. That's beautiful. That's a whole different mm -hmm. subtext. But this book being as prescient as it is mm -hmm. for our current time, I remember reading it as it was coming out and being a little bit taken back that we were talking about things that were happening right then. Oh, you yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. I remember reading the issue about the police shutting down the riots as I was watching news about police shutting down riots. And I remember at the time being a little bit like, I don't really want to read this right now. Like, I I want this to be my escapism. I want this to be fun. I don't want my art to reflect this hard thing that's going on. But now, a little bit removed from it, I am so happy that I am not in charge of DC Comics and the kind <laughs> of things that get written there because... The perspective that N.K. Jemison had while all this was happening is insane. Because that's mm -hmm. usually my one critique of hopping on to tell a story about something while it's happening. Like, you don't have perspective. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. But N.K. Jemison does. She did. I feel like I learned things reading this about what happened last year that I didn't learn a year ago when I read this. You know, because... I have a little bit of hindsight now. And it's just so impressive to see that this piece had all of that inside of it while all that was going on. And so really, like if if you listening to this podcast have not read Far Sector, uh, first off, thanks for listening to us just for the heck of it, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I think you should read Far Sector because we all saw the same stuff happening last year. We all experienced the same traumas last year. And this is the book that I would point to, the piece of art that I would point to across all mediums that I feel like handles all of that with the most deft hand and in the best way. And it's still fun, though. You know, this book is still so fun. It has a Green Lantern mecha fighting a giant robot because Joe is a nerd and says, you just started a nerd fight to a giant robot. I love her so much. She is literally the best. She's so fun. Like, she's just such a fun protagonist. She's the Green Lantern that I want to follow all the time. Like, cancel all the other Green Lantern books. <laughs> I want to follow one. Joe. And in she... Guy Gardner's case, literally cancel him. <laughs> Call him back to that joke from earlier. That's what Perfect. we do. <laughs> um, and do you want to tell us a little bit more about your roundtable with N.K. Jemison, And then maybe we could do some listener questions after that. 
So I was, for anyone that doesn't know, doesn't understand what I've been referencing this whole time, a couple weeks ago, I was invited to join a roundtable discussion with a few other um, people from different websites just talking to N.K. Jemison about this book specifically. And it was the experience of a lifetime, for one. I feel like I can now interview anyone without goosebumps, because if I can get through that, I can get through anything. Um, N.K. Jemison is a fantastic person to talk to. I can tell that even though this was just like the first comic she ever wrote it was a good experience for her she did she did say she would love to come back and she has ideas for things beyond far sector if she could come back and write comics that she would love to tell and that was like the best little (laughs) tidbit for me and also just seeing like the impact that she's had in one single book that was that was amazing that was really cool the little tidbits she gave us i'm gonna be writing a piece for um the new comics amassed site, which I'm going to be working for, which is just comic on comics ground, but we had to rebrand because we've got to um, re up the domain name. Long story. Anyways, I'll be posting a longer article about it there that I'll definitely be linking when that time comes. Cause there's a lot that happened in that round table that I need to review on my own. But one of the coolest little details she gave us is when they first pitched this um, Gerard way pitched the tours, a green lantern who has to monitor a section where love is illegal and N.K. Jemison kind of said, like, okay, that sounds a little like we've heard it before. And if you're going to make love illegal, you need to make all emotions illegal. And that's how that kind of started. And it all spiraled out of that. And her process of working month to month is just incredible. Because if you've read any of her books, there are parts that have slower burns than others. And she said it was definitely a challenge switching from that to something that has to happen monthly because you have to up the action a little bit. There has to be something in each issue that has a little bit of an action beat to it to keep people interested. And just hearing how they have to, how writers have to switch between like long prose and comic script is really, really fascinating. And there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes for any of these that I don't think a lot of people realize. Like a lot of people think it's so easy to just write a good comic. It is hard. It is hard work. There is so much that um, Jemison was just like, I wish I could have done this better. I wish I could have touched on this more. I wish I had more time to get this done. But it's just, you get 12 issues and you're out. 12 issues and you're out, baby. That's all you got. And it was such a fascinating experience, such a fascinating look behind the scenes. And also, N.K. Jemison is such a such a lovely person in real life, such a good, such a nerd in real life. The first thing she said when she was talking to me, she noticed I was wearing my Green Lantern ring to the interview, and she had to call me out on it first thing. And I thought that was hilarious, and I really appreciate it. It definitely broke the ice a little bit. She's such a down-to-earth person. It was honestly incredible. And a lot of the other points I've kind of touched on through the podcast. So if you want to hear more, just keep an eye on my page and I'll let you know as soon as that article goes up. I am green like a lantern with envy. <laughs> mm, I that love is so cool. You. you you do have a way with words, Miss Anne. Oh, do I? I always feel yeah. dazzled every time you talk. <laughs> Good. I feel like I'm just bullshitting most of the time. <laughs> Everything, everything that comes out of my mouth is purple, and there's no way around it, but it's okay. Good. All right. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, should we shift into some listener questions? Mm-hmm. Let's go for sector? it. All right. Listener question from Dallas Taylor first. Uh, what did you two think of Taylor Swift's version of Red, the album? 
I did not need a reason to want to destroy my relationship this week. <laughs> Pray for him. As someone who's going through a breakup, I love it. I'm having so much there fun you know. right now. It's great. Did and you two watch? We all hate Jake Gyllenhaal. Don't bring him up. Don't even say it. <laughs> Truly. Destroyed. We hate Jake Jigglepuff a lot. Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff. Cancel his. Um, I just watched. Um, I just watched Enemy that he did with Denis Villanueva, and it was good. It wasn't as good as the All Too Well short film. I, it was so good. That brought PTSD back into my life, and I don't even want to talk about it. As a woman who went through high school, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Let's just, as a, as a comics collective, we can say men are trash. <laughs> That's the that's the new bio on Twitter. Our trash. Jake Gyllenhaal is trash. No, that's... man, man in general, myself. Let's wait till she gets a hold of freaking John Mayer next time. He's going through it. He is he he's hiding under a desk somewhere. Like oh no, oh no, I'm next. <laughs> if there's ever a Taylor Swift comic, we're on that. We're on that so fast. They, Mitch Garrett will. Mitch Garrett will push us off of a building to get that book. Mitch Garrids <laughs> loves Taylor Swift. As he should. Matt Rosenberg and Mitch Garrids actually both have made it known to Taylor Swift and her people that if she would like a graphic novel about her life, that they will collaborate with her. Okay, okay, they that I can get her. behind that. I can as well. That's a creative team. That is a beautiful creative team. Taylor Swift, Matt Rosenberg, and Mitch Garrids all working together on a Taylor Swift graphic novel. Ah, I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, so, I would like there. to make it known, though. Sorry, I'm cutting you off like you do all the time. <laughs> I have a theory, now that she's rebranding all of her music, that as soon as she is done, she's going to go on a mega tour across the whole world with all of her albums, and we're all going. I'm putting that yes. out there. We're all going. I don't care where yes, it is. Please. Probably every single state. But <laughs> if she doesn't do a mega tour with all of the albums, I, I don't want it. Throw it away. I mean, I I would make sense. Makes sense. She is the greatest musician of our generation. I agree, one hundred percent. I think she is the best storyteller in that music has ever seen. And I think that she makes music that is truly timeless in a way that artists haven't. It's real. It is, but it's not filled with like pop references. It's not. It's not set to a time. I as a straight white dude can sit down and just cry to a Taylor Swift song about how a boy broke my heart. So I'm like, I, pff, these motions are real <laughs> when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you. You believe it. You gotta believe them. It's so good. It's so good. And yeah, if you haven't listened mm-hmm. to listen Taylor's to version of Fred. Of all too well. Don't just kidding. Do yourself a favor. Go to therapy first. And then. <laughs> That was the strangest listener question we've ever had. Yeah, I'm gosh. here for it. That guy shouldn't write in anymore. Um, <laughs> exactly. Can we block him? I'm going to go block him. him. Perfect. Uh, Glenn Machette oh, okay. writes in, Far Sector Question. Dear Comics Collective Crew, I know very little about Green Lantern. <laughs> Glenn. True, Glenn. I know <laughs> you do know very little about Green Lantern. Uh, <laughs> Why are you so mean to Glenn? I love Glenn. I love Glenn too. 
one friend told me this is not really for those that don't know much about the franchise. Another dumb blonde lesbian called Anne, with no E, you don't know her. Anne with no E, you don't know her. (laughs) Told me anyone can enjoy this, and the above comment is tote stupid. Thoughts? Also, what color ring do you think you'd each wield? I think this is a comic for anybody. (gasps) Yeah, Alexis, we'll teach you about the colors. Color theory! I said it would come up! (laughs) We're talking about color theory? We haven't read any Green Lantern yet? Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it. So, oh, do you, yellow. Alexis, as someone that this is your first Green Lantern comic, did you feel like you had to know anything about Green Lanterns to like this? Absolutely not. I think I lit—I literally don't know anything about. I didn't even know there were different colors, Glenn. <laughs> but no, literally, I was gonna say this earlier and I forgot. But you asked me what was the moment that I liked it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna like this." It's because it was a murder mystery. You snuck that one on me and I didn't realize it. It's just so good. There's just so much that you just don't expect. And I kind of, I mean, I don't want to say that like the fact that she was a Green Lantern was the back seat, but it kind of was. It was just a her story, not a Green Lantern story. Boom. True. There you go. So true. Love that. Read it, Glenn. Um, yeah. So just going to say it again. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Glenn. Do not trust them. I think you said it was Ray. Get Ray, I'm on to you. I'm under your I'm under your floorboards. I don't know why you're telling people this. <laughs> you don't Joe stands so far alone that it's ridiculous. I think you can jump into this as your first DC comic ever and be fine. I don't think you're gonna be too lost at all. There might be some things you don't catch on to, like some of the data pages that they do Hickman style in here, where it's like the guardians are talking to each other about the sector that might not hit as well if you're not into Green Lantern lore, but the overall story and who Joe is and how her powers work should be pretty accessible, I would think. Just yeah. like every data page that isn't written by Jonathan Hickman himself, I skipped those. <laughs> Skip them hard. I didn't I realize so that good. those were actually part of the story, so maybe I should start reading those. That's oh, so can we talk about those recap pages? Oh. They were so fun. They were some of my favorite pages in the whole thing. Right. Lexi, which one was your favorite? I the one that Dallas tweeted made me giggle a little bit because you know those like like kinky romance novels that mm-hmm. moms read. Oh yeah, the, mm-hmm. like with the cover of them like kissing <laughs> on each other. I was like, yeah, that looks like something I'd see in Walmart mm-hmm. as a child and run really fast in the other direction. <laughs> That's the one movie that I can't like exactly pinpoint what she's referencing. Was that Gone with the Wind? I yeah. think so. Okay. I think so. Dallas, Cinema Geek. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Oh, I really like the Night of the Living Dead one. I thought that one was cute. And also, I'm a big Aliens fan, so that one was also fun. I love Aliens. Um, not as good as the first Alien, though. I'll say it. <gasps> yes. I'll say it. James Cameron, not as good as Ridley Scott. All right, so the different color Green Lantern rings, Alexis. There mm-hmm. is green for willpower. There is yellow for fear. There is red for rage. There is blue for hope. Indigo for love? No. Compassion. Compassion. I know there's a pink. Uh, yeah, it's violet though, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Violet for love. And orange for avarice or greed. Yep. That's all of them, right? Yep. All seven. 
<clears throat> we're not going to get into ultraviolet bullshit. I'm not yeah. talking about it. I'm not touching on it. That's some Snyder. We are Scott not opening that worm. Mess. Nope. And we're not doing White Lantern either. Stupid. Or, or Black Lanterns. Or Black Lanterns. you are not dead, so you are disqualified. There. Disqualification. So, I think I would be just a nice little hope ring guy. I think I would vibe with the Blue Lanterns. I would agree. I was going to say that. You and Mom. Blue Lanterns. That's blue. also funny because the Blue Lanterns don't really do anything unless a green is around. So you're like, I don't want to inconvenience anyone, but there's no green lantern around here. So I'm just going <laughs> to sit. I'm just going to stay. Like one time. Oh, exactly. a funny story about that. There's no green uh-huh. lanterns around, so I can't do anything. Dallas got certified for CPR through his lifeguarding class. And so one time he said, if you're choking, I have to splash water on you. Otherwise, I can't do anything. And I was like, <laughs> that's... Oh. That just reminded me of that. Sorry. Oh, Dallas has so much things I could tell the internet. But. <sighs> Good. 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 What what ring do you think you would be? Rage-filled rage Anne? What, what, <laughs> pardon? What, what red ring do you me? think that you would have, Supergirl? I can't believe you're reading me like this. I would want to wear green, but this isn't like a Hogwarts house. I don't get to pick what I do. Um, for each other because it's hard to pick for yourself that's fair i i that's funny because i still think dallas hit it on the head blue sounds good blue or or indigo honestly i feel like that would fit too that psychology minor wasn't for nothing (laughs) i i can't fix my issues i didn't get a master's but i can identify them (laughs) oh lexi how about you what what's your color you know i feel like everyone would tell me red because I'm angry all the time, but mm, I don't know. Wait, so there was red. It's, was Roy, G, it's Roy G. Biff. Yeah, okay. Red, mm-hmm. green. I don't know. Mm. Orange, because you love presents. <laughs> Says you! <laughs> <laughs> you said, would make... I asked him today. I was like, mm-hmm. give me an idea for a Christmas present. He sent me like six comic books. I said, pick one. I said, okay. <laughs> And then he asked me, and I said, uh-huh. I didn't think about it. My gosh. I don't know. Probably red. Kind of just, just a singular soft boy <laughs> and his two angry co-hosts. <laughs> Welcome to the Comics Collective. Welcome to the Comics Collective. We vomit napalm. <laughs> and blood. <laughs> and blood. Oh, but we get to see, we get to hang out with Dexter, the pretty kitty. I'm gonna Lexi, is over is there done, on my I'm gonna send you just like four pages of a comic that's gonna break your heart. You're gonna love it. You're gonna eat it up. Love it. Oh, did you both mute yourselves? Or no, just... I'm just. No. Oh, just quiet. Oh, that's weird. The sound of silence on this podcast. Laugh at yourself. <laughs> uh, Archit Chala writes in and says, "Good evening, Dallas, Alexis, and Anne." I wanted to start off by saying that I'm happy that you're covering Far Sector on your podcast. Joe Moline is one of my favorite relatively new characters at DC. As you already know, I'm a huge Green Lantern fan, but I'm also a sucker for murder mysteries. I read the entire Sherlock Holmes and all of Agatha Christie's novels in middle school. Ooh. I love Sherlock Holmes, fun fact. Um, my first question for you is this. Who do you think forged Joe's Green Lantern ring? My second question, is it necessarily related to this book? 
if you want, I'd love some recommendations for murder mystery comics that you like. I'd love to add them to my list. My final question is, do you plan to cover Rom V's Swamp Thing on the podcast? Uh, happy Thanksgiving and or holidays to you all. Best, Archit. So. Ooh. Favorite murder mystery comic books? Uh, From Hell. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> you just have to over it, Danny. I've just gotten over From Hell. I'm like, comics are fun again, actually. I'm like, I'm not depressed anymore. It is no longer sad girl hours. I can enjoy comics again. And then Dallas comes in and he's like, hey, you remember From Hell, that that book that we read that was so much fun that I really loved? Yeah, exactly. Punk hole. You loved yeah. it. You Shut loved up. it. <laughs> Shut up. Um, Archit, if you have not checked out Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' work, literally everything they do is a murder mystery and it's wonderful every single time. Those two are masters, and we're covering their new... Oh, ah, psych! Sean Phillips isn't the artist on that. We are covering Ed Brubaker's newest murder mystery, Friday, this December. So you can get a head start on checking that out. Alexis just made a face as if she didn't say in the text chain that she would make that her pick. Love this for Did her. I? Yes! <laughs> you said, quote, murder at Christmas, OMG, yes. I don't remember that conversation. Anyway, that's, you have great taste. <laughs> good. Yeah, Lexi, I black out and have good taste. Great taste. <laughs> I thought yeah. my pick was Bone. I didn't buy this book for no reason. Bone is for January. January. Gonna take a whole year to read it. That is true. Just, just like Saga. Oh, wait, I cannot read this at 6 a.m. the day of. <laughs> there yeah. are 13 Although if you pages. do, you'll have earned my respect. Hey, I mean, I finished two series by 10.30 last night when I texted you, you at 6. You are a quick girl. Uh, do you, either of you two have other murder mystery suggestions? Um, not off the top of my head. You know, it's my murder mystery comic selection is not great. I think the only one I can think of at the top of my head is Identity Crisis, and I'm not recommending that to anyone. Word. Yeah. <laughs> my suggestion is Far Sector, because that's a sneaky one that I didn't expect. <laughs> Thank you. Love, love to see it. There you go. Um, second question was, who do you think forged Joe's Green Lantern ring? I was under the impression it was just the Guardian that brought it mm -hmm. to her. I was... believe so, too. I, I'm wondering if they're asking if that Guardian has a specific name, which I don't. Do I? I know, I know I said I couldn't remember her name earlier. Mm -hmm. And I thought you were looking, but I don't Yeah, I was looking. I didn't I didn't see a name in there. I don't think she does have a name, and she doesn't look like any guardian I've ever known. I'm pretty sure Jemison said that she was made specifically for this run. So she's her not name, a character that was in Laura before. Her name is Filibuster. Philip why? Pretty lady at the bar. Filibuster pretty. the Guardian. Um final question. Are we gonna cover Rom V Swamp Thing? when it is all wrapped up. I mean, they're both looking at me like deer in the headlights, like I'm in charge for some reason. You are! You're I the one that gives, you spoon feed us our suggestions. Exactly. This is your I show until I joke about it not being your show on Twitter. This is this is how this works. Good. Uh, I'd love to. I think it'll be a while before we cover it. We I have a fun habit of booking us out until like six months from now, because that's just the person I am. Yep. Um, 
And I honestly, they both did me a huge favor and let me come up with the December slot. So I'm kind of turning over all the picks for January, February to my lovely co-host. Yep. There will be lesbians. We will find it. It will happen. So many lesbians, lesbians and, and cartoons. Cartoony art styles and lesbians coming your way January and February. <laughs> On Disney Channel. Next we're going to watch. My next pick is going to be Garfield. And the, the one after that is going to be Calvin and Hobbes. So surprise. I would cry happy tears if we read Calvin and Hobbes. Dude, I'm, it's on my list. I have my own. I just don't post it on your list. Word. Mm-hmm. Word to your mother. All right. I can't Archish. wait to read Spencer and Locke. Ooh. I had a friend that I gave that to that was like, this spit in the face of Calvin and Hobbes. No. I was like, I was like no. you're a child. Like, you're a child. <laughs> it's so good. All right. Judy Mauricio writes in and says, hello, Comics Collective people. So I am not a huge Green Lantern fan. I find their set up a bit boring because most stories I've read have them be challenged by lantern, but different color, or lantern, but even more fascist. And rarely do we get more creative exploration of DC's cosmology. That's why Far Sector left an impact with me, being an incredible story that expands and explores the said cosmology. The City Enduring is a fantastic sci-fi concept full of interesting ideas that are brilliantly illustrated through Jemison's writing and Campbell's artwork. So what is your favorite sci-fi concept introduced in this book? My favorite is Atville. Ooh. Junie, that's a good pick. Atville is cool. Um, you know, I, going off that for a second, I think Junie brings up a good point. And it's, ever, it's the Johnsification of Green Lanterns because ever since he took over that run in the mid-2000s, that's all Green Lantern has been. He's like, here are the cores. Here are the different... Here's the emotional spectrum. And then every writer after him was like, I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to do that for the next 20 years. And I think it's so nice that this one didn't do that. And it's one of the only books that hasn't. Because, like, the emotional spectrum stuff's fun. It just has persisted for too long. I was hoping when John stopped, it would stop. But then when, um, Venditti, is it Venditti? How do you say his name? I think that's right. Okay. The face you made didn't, like, give me confidence. But when he continued with that thread, I was like, okay, this might run dry soon. And I think it did. So very thankful to Far Sector for cutting that thread. So true, bestie. Go off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do we have other favorite sci-fi elements that were introduced in this story? Uh, I liked the code food, but... That her cute little assistant took her to try. And she was like, this is interesting, but it tastes like shit. And she goes, well, we don't have taste buds. So what did you expect? And I was like, ah! <laughs> that was funny. Oh, also, I-, I would like to point out, Junie, that you coincidentally share a name with my dog. So every time that we say your name, it makes me scared a little bit that my dog is writing podcast questions for us. She's like... Bark, bark, bark. Bark, bark, bark. Bark, bark, bark. bark. I'm going to steal your hash brown. Bark, bark, bark. It's a menace. It's beautiful. Love Um, Love it. I loved the three different races. I thought that was really fun. I'm a sucker for like a new type of alien getting introduced in something. And all of these were interesting versions. Like Mm -hmm. Anne said, I wanted a whole history book about this world. So I think that's a successful sci-fi 
eat sentient beings for like spiritual reasons i was like i want more about that please yeah can, mm-hmm. can we pause and go somewhere else for this and then i'll come back yeah that's one of the fun little lore bits is there's people who actually volunteer to be yeah. eaten by other people yeah i mean teach their own with their kids <laughs> <with> everybody <laughs> is a consenting okay. adult then we're Sensual good adults here and that's what they said like consenting um, I don't remember the word that they used for it, but it made me chuckle a little bit. I was like, ah, consenting to be eaten. Good so true. So true. It's like, eat me, daddy. <laughs> okay. I think just the idea of emotions being a drug, I think, is really cool. Like, I've been on that high ever since I saw it in, like, Doctor Who, like, 15 years ago. Holy shit, that was 15 years ago. But, um... I, Granny, I Annie. Annie. Granny Stop Annie. Granny Annie. You won't believe how old I was then. <laughs> 15 five. years ago, Anne was 30. <laughs> oh I God. was five 15 years I, ago. I said 15 as a random number, but no, that would have been 2006. Oh my God. I nailed it. I hate that. Five. <laughs> but I I also really liked the three races were cool, but I think the at ats were my favorite. Everything they to do cool. with them, fantastic. Loved her little assistant. That had a lot of names that confused me. Can has. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that they continually call it. I too. love that Earth memes are um a They're currency. Money. They're money. <laughs> She's like, wait till I introduce you to Doge. I was like, yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> it was it was good. I also I like the detail that because of the lag and in information, they were a little bit like grandparents with memes. Right. Like, look at this old meme that's so funny. And it's like, well, a little yeah. old. With the first time I did hear Doge, I was like, oh, that feels a little like an old person trying to relate to younger people. But then they they brought that in like, oh, no, it's smart. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, I like uh, it. Uh, Have a go. All right. Final listener question. Critical Rants writes and says, hi, all. Hi, Cole. Uh, quick last minute far sector question. Given the Joe Moline rules, what story or setting would you like to see her in next? I'd also like to offer my sincere apologies to Alexis for not recognizing her disdain for Batman on last week's podcast episode. I am deeply sorry, and I hope you can forgive me. I do! Oh, Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, it's okay. It's a Batman thing. We're good. Just me and Batman. Alexis, I will have you remember that Cole is the reason you had to read Doom Patrol. Ah, okay, take it back. (laughs) You're not (laughs) I saw Doom Patrol advertised on one of my streaming things the other day, and I was like, no, get away from me. (laughs) I was like, I do not come back. But no, it's okay. Batman and I are medium fine. Do you like Batman or Green Lanterns better after the last two weeks? That is a good question. I would say Green Lantern as of right now. Um, Batman's doing fine. But... Um, no, I don't, I don't hate Batman. I just feel like he's the most basic comic book character that has ever existed, and I'm sick and tired of him, and I would punt him into the universe and never see him again. The end. But I also hate Joker more than I hate him, so. Um, when I get to write Batman, I'm going to write him as Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss Batman. <laughs> and... 
it will be the greatest run that anyone right, has someone, ever had. Someone make Vicky Vale Batman. No, Please. cast Reese Witherspoon <gasps> as Batman. Okay. So I can add him. I can add Batman <laughs> to my Reese Witherspoon television universe. This Batman is now a legally blonde in the same universe. This is now a The Morning Show podcast. Uh, you and I, Mom. Oh my gosh. I love that white lady show. I love to sit down with my popcorn on a Sunday morning and watch my Reese Witherspoon shows. I don't care what it is. Every It's the same show every time. Little Fires Everywhere, Big Little Lies, The Morning Show. It's the same show, starring the same characters, and I love it. And it's high quality. Beautiful. What story or setting do we want to see Joe in next? Uh, I want to um, her big little lies. Put her into the Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> oh, I thought we were about to switch into the series answers. I didn't know we were still doing this. That was my series I want, answer. I want her to beat up Batman. Okay. I'm going to be I'm going to be that basic bitch. I I've seen that tweet going around today where it's like um DC's currently in their all new all different um moment and I really want to see that Justice League. Like kind of the future state Justice League. If I have to see Joe anywhere, that's what I want. I want her being a badass and i want her hanging out with the other characters who are also badasses and getting a shot this year if i had to choose otherwise i think keeping her in the far sector is probably the best the best game plan because i think she really shines there she's safe there she's safe yeah. there i don't care where she goes as long as nk jemison and jamal campbell are the only people that get to do something with her mm-hmm. yes bam, bam, bam. that's my answer it'll be right boom boom bam that's how you fix that <laughs> All right, that is all of the questions this week, everybody. Um, executive decision, because we're doing a back-to-back. We're not doing 10 comics again. That's hard work. And I don't like to work hard. Make sure you pick up 12. Supergirl and Just... Amazons uh, <laughs> and Wonder Woman. There you go. There's three. There's three. And now go read 12 issues of Far Sector. Boom. Yeah. Boom, boom, bam. That's how you fixed up. <laughs> we got 15 this week. Awesome. Ah, there you go. Get more than you asked for. <laughs> Suckerfish. All right. Well, we do not have any reviews for our show because everyone hates us. Um, but if you'd like, if you like the show, which clearly you don't, you don't leave us five star reviews. Don't. I'm just going to be a passive aggressive, like a mom, you know? <laughs> like, like a mom oh, you, ha- or you haven't a called. I'll wait. Hmm, I'll wait. Uh, this podcast just goes for like four more hours in silence until someone <laughs> gets to serve you. <laughs> if you like the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, don't know why you would, you could follow us on our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at <clears throat> Dallas underscore comics, at and talk shit, and at Lexi Taylor underscore one, two, three. Everyone That's not DM my aunt. Me. I swear <laughs> to God. Everyone DM me and help me pick a new Twitter name that's comic related because I was going to change it to Lexi Talks Comics, but there already is one of them and she's wonderful, but she's not me. Go follow her. But she stole my name from me and it's I can't. The Lexicon. <gasps> the Lexicon. That is so good. Changing it right now. Look at that. All right. Well, well oh my, never mind. Don't I don't I need any smart. of your opinions. If you enjoyed this show, again, don't know why you would, and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review. Tell us 
that what we're doing here means something to you. Give us a little Christmas present. And we will read it off on the show when you do. Lie. Lie big. <laughs> Give us a big old lie. Heaping sack of lie. Say like, Tell- say like Dallas is charming and funny. Mm-hmm. Say, exactly. Anne brings good insights to the show. Say, Alexis reads these books. You know, say things that are clearly <laughs> untrue, but will make us feel good. Oh, oh, I'm getting kicked next week. Oh, I'm fired. <laughs> oh, oh. Tell us Santa's real, please. <laughs> Santa yeah. is real. And he's well, sexy as fuck. And that's coming up on the so next show. Oh, that's two shows away. There will be a lock and key next week for right. Sweet Baby Lexi. We're finishing up lock and key. For my birthday. For her birthday. Lexi's birthday is on the 30th, everybody. So send her <gasps> yes. many much loves, November and 30th. And a turkey. And a partridge in a pear tree. I always have Thanksgiving birthday parties. My mom's like, woo! <laughs> Lump up together! She says, genocide is a theme, and gives Lexi a little pilgrim hat. Yep. (laughs) (sighs) And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. We will all see you guys next week for Lock and Key, right? That is next week, and then Klaus after that. But we're recording Klaus today. So, (laughs) ta-da! Zing, zing! (laughs) Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>